Good to be back with you this week. Uh, thank you for all the prayers uh, over the past week or so. And uh, just good news, I was able to um, participate with my mom and helping her move into her new uh, uh, accommodations. And um, so she's getting good support and care, loving the new meals that she has at, at her new uh, place that she calls home. And unfortunately, she has to walk along the shores of Coronado Island off of San Diego. And she does that for Jesus, and it's, it's a very nice thing. So, so thank you for the prayers that you've offered. Okay, so um, uh, some months ago, I, I sat down to set up a series of sermon series. Uh, I knew that we were going to be seeking to hear from God what's next, and, and, and so we turned our attention to John, uh, John's gospel, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, and divided that up, thought through the process. Whenever you're laying out series of sermons, you always want to be careful about special days. For instance, Easter. You need to hit pause on Easter and preach on the resurrection. You just do it. So we got to Easter this year, and we jumped out of where we were in John's gospel at that time and went to that part of John's gospel that spoke about the resurrection. But then you come to a day like this day, Mother's Day, and even has already been described that this can be a, a great day for some folks and just a very heavy day for others. And so what do you preach on it, and what's coming in the series? You know, we um, are in chapter 15 as we're laying that out, and two weeks ago, Joss brought us the message, and and it was wonderful. It was all on about abiding in Christ. That would have been a glorious topic for a Mother's Day sermon. Then just last week, it was love one another as I have loved you, you know, that Jesus is our friend and we're to be friends with each other. What another gr glorious topic. Well, this morning, our topic is hatred. <laughs> wow. Um, even as I was planning out the sermon series, I was just counting the number of emails I would receive after this morning. <laughs> Hatred. But think of it this way. Think of a, of a, of a situation where um, a mom, a, a, a loving, healthy, good relationship mom, sending a child off to school, maybe for the first time. And the mom, you know, kind of arranges the clothes a little bit, fixes the hair a little bit, does that disgusting thing, you know, licks the thumb and wipes off that last little bit of strawberry jam from the corner of the mouth, and then shares these words. Hey, today, all day long, abide in Jesus. You know, like a branch is connected to the vine. As you go, would you go knowing that you are loved and that you already have a way of being. In fact, would you go as one who loves others? You know the love you've received under our roof? Would you be that kind of friend to the people around you? And one thing you should know is that not everyone's going to like you today. I don't share that to scare you. I, I just don't want you to be surprised by it, that as you go through your day, not everybody is going to like you. And so we can even find in a message that will explore the hatred as Christians will receive from the world, that there is a message of love in the sharing of, of this part of the chapter. So today it's our task to go through the final part of chapter 15. If you would please go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to take a look at John chapter 15 verses 18, and then it actually carries over into chapter 16. We'll go through the first half of, chapter, of verse 4 and 16. 
So John 15, 18. Hear the word of God. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. May God bless the reading of his word. And may God shine his favor on our time together as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about hatred today. In fact, we're going to explore the kind of hatred that as we follow Jesus Christ and live out our calling in this world that we're going to experience from the world. Uh, But before, let's just give a few words about hatred in general. You know, there seems to be a uh, way about our current culture that it seems to be pervasive that we vilify those who are different. We vilify those who are different. I read this past week that in 1950, the American uh, political uh, uh, society uh, 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 association put out a report, and the authors of the report stated that they were concerned that Americans weren't politically polarized enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, why, uh, things have changed a little, just a smidge. In fact, now we use this word, this term, othering, othering. There's been a multitude of stories uh, that have discovered that our polarization is no longer about policy or positions, but we've turned our attention to people. We view people as other. It's not just about their thoughts or their ideas or the positions they take, the policies they set. We other each other. And we know why we do this. We we found out that hatred gets more clicks. It raises more money. It it solidifies parties together. It um, stirs up more votes. So we might do well to, it might be appropriate to ask, is this what Jesus is doing? Is he trying to embolden his disciples, strengthen his disciples, his base, by othering the world, by vilifying the world? 
Well, we can answer that one easily. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We have to put this passage in uh, context of all the other things that Jesus has said. All the other things that the Bible teaches. We know this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Romans 5, 8. That God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. God comes toward us even in the midst of our opposition to Him. He comes toward us to love us, to engage with us. It's not just circle the wagons and point fingers at the other people and and, and other them off the planet. But God moves toward us. There's this passage in 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. It reads like this, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atonement, the payment for our sins. This is God's position on the world. He loves, He moves toward people. In other words, the world's hatred is its own. The world's hatred is its own. It's its own actual response. So as Jesus talks about hatred in this passage, it's like um, smelling salts. So that, that you know that how smelling salts work, that, that when you wave it in front of a nose, the ammonia uh, um, irritates the membranes of the nasal passage. And as they're irritated, there's something that clicks in the brain, and the body automatically wants to, to bring in a bigger breath to clear the nasal passageways so that the lungs can be filled with oxygen. And, just, and it wakes a person up. And so in the midst of this teaching, there's this little bit of smelling sauce. There's a little bit of irritation that, that Jesus goes, I want you to be awake. I want you to know what's coming. I want you to know. And so let's learn about the kinds of hatred that as followers of Christ we will experience in this world. The first one is this. It's a surprising, unsurprising hatred. A surprising, unsurprising hatred. When we look at our text, we can pick out a few of the verses here. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. We can jump down to verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my words, they will also keep yours. Verses 24 and 25, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have, uh, they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. In other words, there shouldn't be a surprise. We know. We know that they've already hated Jesus. We know that even in the prophecies that there was a word that came from before that that there was going to be this hatred. There's no surprise. And yet, it's an absolute surprise. An absolute surprise. Let me use a little bit of of an analogy, and I'm going to need your help on this one, okay? Just, you'll see. Um, You'll help me. Okay, let's say, let's say somebody wants to invite somebody else over for dinner. And the person who invites them over, the host, goes all out for the meal. 
investigates every single recipe, only takes five-star recipes um, off the internet. This person chooses something that that is one of their favorites and says, you know, I just want to let this be kind of a theme for the night. I'm going to work it through in each of the dishes. And, And these are great dishes. Spends the whole day detailed attention to making sure the meal is just right. And so and it happens that the thing that the person picked, you'll get what they picked. They begin with a green pea curry hummus and serve it with green pea uh, snack crisps. That's a little pre-dinner hors d'oeuvre. And then they begin with the first course of pea soup and then pea salad with bacon and then pasta with peas and feta and peas and carrots and a fresh shrimp and pea stir-fry. And then their guest arrives. And this silly individual can't stand peas. You know, if you had known the story of the individual that ever since he was served peas for breakfast when he didn't eat them the night before, that he hates peas. If you knew that, there would be no surprise. But if you only looked at the effort and the wonder and the detail and the five-star rating, you would be surprised that no one would like that. See, here's what Jesus stood for. He stood for love. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. He was all about forgiveness and showing mercy and and healing people and extending fellowship with everyone and anyone. He only did the will of God and only spoke what God told him to speak. You would think, who wouldn't want this? This is fantastic, especially if you were a, a, follower, a, 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 a follower of the living God. Wouldn't you want this? And yet it turns out that a lot of folks didn't. And we know why. Jesus turned the whole world upside down. He brought clear understanding of God's approach to power. He, he revealed God's approach to, to economy and money and wealth. He, he conveyed uh, God's understanding of purity. He described a different approach to community. He said things like this, and he lived them out as well. He said, if you want to be the greatest, be the least of all. Blessed are the poor. Woe to the rich. Be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. And don't just forgive seven times. Forgive 70 times seven. And the world hated him for it. It turns out that the more you abide with Jesus, and Jesus abides with you, the more you love others the way that Jesus has loved you, the world will reject you. So what do we do in response to an unsurprising hatred? A surprising but yet unsurprising. Well, we aren't going to be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at it when it comes. In fact, if you're not being hated by the world, we might want to re-examine our walk. Not that we seek to be hated. That's not our, our job in this world is to go around, hey, I got hated today. 
But if Jesus said, listen, they rejected me and they're going to reject you, if we're not experiencing it, maybe we want to pay attention. If it's not popping up on our dashboard that, that, that something's taking place, we might want to pay attention to whether we're actually following and living in the way of Christ. Because we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus goes, listen, they hated me. And a servant is not greater than his master. All right, he goes on to describe this hate in another way. We might call it an otherworldly hatred. And we look at John chapter 15, verse 19 for this. We see here that if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. An otherworldly hatred. In fact, a war of the worlds. Now, maybe you've read H.G. Wells' book by that title, uh, The War of the Worlds, that, that his book is all about um, Martians uh, using up all the resources on their planet. And so they focus their attention on Earth, and they're coming to use up all of our resources. In fact, he describes it this way. He says, Yet across the gulf of space, minds that are to our minds as ours are to those of the beasts that perish, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. A war of the worlds. There's a little passage again in First John that helps us understand a little bit of this drama. When we look to First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, First John 2, 15 through 17, we read this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here's where we get a bit of the description, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life. In other words, lust and greed and envy and pridefulness, selfishness, self-centeredness. That this is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life. People of such disposition are unsympathetic to the way of God. They are unsympathetic to the love of God. And by the way, so would we be as well if it weren't for the grace of God. It is God's grace that, that allows any of us to have a heart for Him, to, to be able to respond to His love with love in return. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not of, of our own doing. It's not a work that we've accomplished. It is a gift of God to us. You know, in Luke chapter 4, uh, there's the story of Jesus returning to Nazareth, and, and he goes into the synagogue, and he uh, takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads from the scroll, and he reads that passage. We find it in Luke 4, 18 through 19. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, jubilee, freedom from sin, 
Come on back, ali ali oxen free. This is Jesus' agenda. He said, as he rolled it back up and sat back down, he goes, listen, this, these words, this promise, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. Freedom from oppression. Good news for the poor. Jesus' agenda stands in opposition to the world's agenda. And they hated him for it. The more you abide with Jesus and Jesus abides in you, the more you take on his agenda and his agenda lives in you and through you, the more you can expect the world to hate you too. This past week there was a, um, a document that was leaked from the Supreme Court showing that it quite possibly could be later this year that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. And it's of no surprise to you that we know in Scripture that, that it speaks of God being the crafter of life, uh, that this crafting of life begins in the womb and, and, and continues through all of life, that God is the one who creates, and that that life in the womb matters. It has importance. And that as followers of Christ, we, we step into this, this valuing of life, that we're pro-life people. But we're also pro-life for the two-year-old and the 12-year-old. We're also pro-life for the mom. We're, we happen to be pro-life. Jesus is pro-life for the immigrant family standing at the border that's, that's trying to leave oppression and, and violence in their own country and trying to find safety and, and opportunity. That, that we're pro-life for people no matter what country they, they live in. In other words, we're not just locked into one political party's perspective on a particular item. But we're locked into the way of Christ in this world. We're locked into the way of Christ that his kingdom is the kingdom we are a part of in this world. You know, portions of the world will welcome Christians into their fold as long as Christians only keep their position and their lives and their focus and their activities on just the things that that group um, values. But we're never to be constrained by a single worldly group. We cut across lines because we are followers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the great I Am. And we represent all of the kingdom of heaven throughout all of the kingdom of this world. Turns out, the more you abide with Christ, the more you can expect the world to reject you. So what do we do in response to this otherworldly kind of hatred? We choose our world. Choose your world. That's what we do in response to this worldly conflict. Don't try to have, well, I've got one foot in, in God's stuff, and I've got one foot in the world's stuff, because I, I kind of like this, and I kind of like that, and, and how do I hold them together? We choose our world. In response to God choosing us, we say, God, we choose you. You are our God. Where else will we turn? We will live for you in this world. The passage also describes a fatherless hatred, a fatherless hatred. In verse 23, we read these words, whoever hates me hates my father also. Down in 16, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you 
will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor have they known me. When you learn to drive, and we may have talked about this before, but when you learn to drive, sometimes a new driver is so focused like on just beyond the edge of the hood, right? Just looking right beyond the edge of the front of the car. Of course, when you do that, you begin to swerve all over the place. You can't hold your lane. That, that you're taught, look up. Get your eyes out there. Keep your eyes ahead, and then all the other things will fall into place. You want to be able to look up and see all that, but if, if you look just at your little thing, in fact, they have done studies on uh, the, the worst we could do is texting. That of all the distractions, of all the bringing our eyes down, they say that it takes five seconds, they've done the studies, five seconds to look at a text to, to be able to process all that's going on. Five seconds, going 55 miles an hour, you will travel the length of a football field in those five seconds. Which means that you're, if you're looking at a text that you're actually driving uh, with your eyes closed for um, the length of a football field. Well, this seems to describe a little bit of what was going on in what we know of the Old Testament. In fact, the way it talked about it there, there's this long history of focusing way too many, way, way too often on other things than on God's heart. The line that is used is that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone took their eyes, instead of keeping them on God and, and saying, God, how, how would you have me live? And I want to live for you in this world and that you're the great God. They took their eyes and did whatever, they focused on whatever they wanted to focus on. It continued right to the time of Jesus. In fact, it was the denominational leaders and the pastors and the Bible teachers. and um, These are the ones who were calling for the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus' warning in uh, verse 2 of chapter 16, they will think they are offering service to God. We know, and Jesus affirmed, that Jesus only said what God the Father told him to say, that Jesus only did the will of the Father in this world, and the people hated him for it. It turns out the more you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you, the world will reject you, including the world that has taken over parts of the church, that even in the church, when we let go of keeping our focus on all that Christ has called us to, all who the Father is, when we, when we go to look at just the way we want to do church, and we adopt the way of the world, and we adopt the power structures of the world, and, and we like our things better than, than laying ourselves open for what God wants, uh, even within the church, we will be rejected. So what do you do in response to a fatherless hatred, a heavenly fatherless hatred? Get to know your heavenly father. Get to know your heavenly father. Spend your whole life getting to know your heavenly father. Because the more we can recognize the father, the more we can represent the father in this world. The more we can recognize the father, the more we can represent him in this world. Because if there's a fatherless hatred, if, if people are doing this and we get concerned about their hatred against us, we might compromise the Father, take our eyes off the Father. The more we can get to know the Father, the better able we are to represent the Father, to stand with Him in this world. Then we get to this description of an ineffective hatred, an ineffective ha hatred. Listen to this. This is in verse 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me 
from the beginning. Jesus says in the midst of all this hatred, you're still going to get the Holy Spirit and you're still going to be my witnesses. You're going to go out there and you're going to represent me in this world. In fact, in the next chapter, when we get into our next series, we'll find this out. Jesus says, take heart for I have overcome the world. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, he says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That, that instead of getting all nervous about the hatred of, of others and, and, and so we want to kind of accommodate the way that they are, instead, you're with the one who's in charge of all things. Every time you witness for Christ, you glorify God. And the world can't touch this. Every time you witness for Christ, you give glory to the Father in heaven, and the world can't touch this. The Holy Spirit is given to you. The helper, the, the third person of the Trinity lives in you, lives in you together, and it empowers you to do all kinds of crazy things. It empowers you to be able to give a word of hope to those who are despairing, to give a cup of water to those who are thirsty, to, to give food to those who are hungry, to give shelter for the homeless, it empowers you to speak truth when others are fashioning lies. The Holy Spirit in you causes you to live on little so others might have more. No matter how much the world might hate you, that the Holy Spirit in you allows you to vote for what is right and just on behalf of the weakest and the powerless. The Holy Spirit in you allows you to give witness to God through forgiving even when it is undeserved, choosing humility even when pride seems more advantageous, loving when there is no hope of reciprocation, surrendering beloved traditions when they interfere with God's mission, telling others about the good news of Jesus even when, the, even when corporate says not to, pledging allegiance to the kingdom of heaven rather than to the kingdoms of this world, being the hands and feet and voice and presence of Jesus even though you know you will be hated for it. The more you abide with Christ and Christ abides in you, the more you love others as Christ has loved you, the more likely you will be rejected too. So what do we do in response to ineffective hatred? Hatred that cannot keep God's spirit from working in us and through us. Well, we simply do not fear the ineffective. We don't run away from it. We don't allow it to, to cause us to compromise our following of Christ. So on this Mother's Day, like a good mom, Jesus sends us into this world to live the gospel life. The life marked by abiding in Jesus. Like a branch is attached to the vine that we would abide in Christ. He sends us into this world to love as he has loved us, that we would be friend makers with one another, all the while knowing that as we abide in love, that we will also be hated and rejected by the world into the very, uh, by the world into um, the one that Jesus himself has sent us into. 
this turns out to be the gospel life. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, are thankful that you are the God who saves, and you are the God who loves and comes toward us, and, and that the messiness, broken, brokenness, the sinfulness of this world um, sadly results in rejection of you and your love. God, wherever we've compromised, wherever we have given way to that rejection of you so that we wouldn't be rejected, would you call us out? Would you convict us that our lives would represent your heart at every turn? God, help us to live the gospel life today and in all the days to come. Thank you so much for Jesus. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.